Stampede. Garner isn't number 48. Recorded May 10th, 2020. At the battle of Jericho and walls came tumbling down. You may talk about the men of Gideon, you may talk about the men of Saul, but they're not like the good old Joshua. The battle of Jericho, hallelujah! Joshua at the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua at the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Hallelujah! Joshua at the battle of Jericho, Jericho. It's difficult to predict what the future will bring, but I think one thing is abundantly clear. What has taken place around the world in the last three to four months is historic, and I think I'm safe in saying things have changed and may never return to what existed before. The reality is things are always changing, but COVID-19 has driven a stake through the heart of consumerism. Since the virus started appearing in February, over 66,000 people have died in the United States. It's safe to say it's a cold stone killer, and it's not going away soon. I'm a part of the population at the greatest risk of being swept away by this disease. I'm 75 years old with serious compounding issues, making me think if I come in contact with this virus, I'll be going out with the tide and won't be coming back. The undertow will be overwhelming. Besides all of that, there are other things that could be troubling. That long-standing motto, that the business of America is business may be going out to sea as well. I mean, the salaries of great athletes may be reduced dramatically. Of course, it's also safe to say, considering what people did on the field of sports, 
didn't deserve the kind of salaries some received. It's always amazed me no real accomplishments were ever derived from a championship season when compared to hiring a skilled plumber to repair a burst water line in a basement. COVID-19 has made us reevaluate some of the things we took for granted. Unfortunately, consumerists, especially those who are at the top of the food chain, aren't about to let that go away. And to speak openly, there are a lot of people who are in power, capable of doing almost anything to bring it back. What's been happening is like watching a wave breaking in slow motion. The federal government has determined that the states should evaluate when the stay-at-home orders be lifted. That's a rational approach. America is large and requires flexibility in deciding how and when to order stay-at-home orders. The consumerists are faced with major restructuring if people don't go back to work. Frankly, there could be serious damage on every economic front if people remain sheltered. This isn't just an American crisis. It's a worldwide crisis. When you shutter businesses and send people back to stay in place, there are going to be big costs associated with that. Emotional distress, financial distress, violence and disruptions of all sorts can result. There may not be a quick fix to eradicate this virus from us. It's possible it will work its way through human populations and eventually dissipate, even without a vaccine. It may take some time while important structures dependent on consuming slowly die on the vine. You should recognize things are not going to be the same. 
a new world is emerging, and like any birth, it won't be without pain. The restructuring of systems we've long considered normal are about to take place. Putting aside the inevitability of people dying, the survivors of the storm are going to make adjustments to a new way of living. Most likely, we'll simply have to accept there are going to be large numbers of people who continue to die, and we're going to have to live with that. A new way of conducting our lives is going to be very defensive, always looking for signs of people being ill, unlike the consumerist world of wanting more. We're going to have to conserve more, and maybe rightfully so. We're about to be faced with unparalleled challenges. One of the many changes will be our interaction between one another. By and large, our species is gregarious. We behave as groups, as 
members of associations or belonging to a political party. We even identify ourselves by the clothing we wear or what hairstyle we have. We like to believe we fit in with one another, that we're part of a plan. We like to believe that we belong to a team spirit, the school spirit, the group think, the identification of wearing a business's uniform. The laws we make tell us who we are as a society. Well, those are all things we participate in. But sometimes there are individuals that don't conform. And depending on what they do, they're either admired for their actions or seriously punished. If you step outside of normal behavior, the results can be painful. And what we've got here today with the COVID-19 pandemic is dramatically changing how we relate to one another. The consumerist world has been telling us we need to get more. It produced the standard If you've got it, flaunt it. The extremes have been everywhere. But fear, real fear, has put a stop to all of that. And some of the practices we considered normal have nearly evaporated overnight. And there's good reason to be fearful, because there's an invisible killer passing amongst us. It's going to take time to slay this dragon. And in the interim, there are going to be new ways of living. In our future, personal isolation is what we'll be living with. You can't belong to something if you believe it can kill you. Speaking openly about this, I've had a long personal history of living with isolation. Sometimes I've had better relationships with dogs than with humans.
this may sound strange, but the imposed isolation of people caused by the coronavirus runs parallel to my own life. The only difference is my own detachment has never been imposed on me. It's always been a self-quarantine. And to illustrate, I never talk about my mental hang-ups to my therapist, which is another form of sequestering. She's said I'm unlike any of her other patients. And that's understandable, because when I have a session with my therapist, I never talk about myself. I simply bring my computer to her office and play one of my podcasts, like what you're listening to now, a Garner Isn't Show. Now, thinking about my self-imposed retreat, I can even pinpoint when I began feeling the need to isolate myself from the rest of the world. I may have been eight years old. I'm certain of one thing. It was my birthday, and my mother came to my school after classes and gave kites to lots of my classmates. In order to celebrate my birthday, we went to an athletic field by the school and began flying kites. Well, my classmates did just that, but I complained to my mother I didn't want to participate. And you know what? It's been that way for nearly my entire life. Now, some mental therapists might say I have a masochistic personality, that I simply like punishing myself. But I don't think so. I really can't stand pain, which, of course, could leave me vulnerable to taking drugs, trying to make me feel better. But I don't do drugs, because it distorts my perception of reality. No, I'm somewhat content to isolate myself from other people, and it's given me a different outlook on life. I've never wanted to be like other people. I've never wanted to be a part of the crowd. So now that COVID-19 has made people act to protect themselves by isolation, I understand that. You might say, I've lost a lot in life by doing that. But you know what? I'm proud of the isolation I imposed on myself because it made me turn to something a lot of us have lost. I believe in being close to nature and I believe it's made me a better person. I never accepted having to be part of the consumerists cheering on the profit world. No, I was content to lie down in a field of Timothy grass and stare up at the clouds. My grandmother said I should have found a job with a big company and worked my way up. She always believed in the promise America could bring. Well, I never saw it that way. I only saw the promise of America's natural beauty. You see, I believe that. I never bought into the profit world being deceived into thinking it could make me content. No, 
I belong to something else, and I'm glad I do. I belong to the land, to the sky, to the oceans, not to someone who could use me to make a profit. The lies, the propaganda, and the spin have been going on for a long time now. You'd think that's the price of doing business in this country. You don't have to have second thoughts when registered lobbyists for the military-industrial complex become multimillionaires living in Tony suburbs outside of Washington, D.C. Lobbyists for making deals, selling weapons around the world. Hell, that's good for Wall Street. But that's nothing, because the numbers of stock equities have been artificially inflated. And it's with companies buying back their own stock. Sure, borrow money at 0% and buy your company's stock on Wall Street, driving up phony prices. Real earnings were just a mirage. Yeah, in that world where everyone on the inside was getting fat, no one was going to call out fraud. The deceptions have been everywhere. and corruption have been running non-stop in the consumerist economy and always demanding more. But that system has been seriously challenged and it may never be able to be reestablished. New ways of living are coming. A new depression with large numbers of people being unemployed is going to persist for a long time. Chain reactions aren't just going to hit Main Street businesses. Bankruptcies of municipalities caused by lost revenues will be followed by states, and the states 
will demand federal intervention, that the federal government is capable of financially bailing out the states is questionable. If you haven't noticed lately, the U.S. federal government is in debt, and it's in a deep debt. Whether you like it or not, this isn't going to be resolved without pain, and living in isolation is going to be a way of life for a lot of people. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Mahalia Jackson sing Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, a 1965 recording. She would sing this song when Martin Luther King Jr. would preach a sermon about justice and equality at various churches in Chicago. You then heard Simon Rhodes' composition, Dancing with Time, followed by the music of Troy Benarzi and Alexander Balanescu, Acoustic Tapestry, and then Day, composed by Stephen Dean Hilton. Again, a traditional spiritual classic 
Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, a 1909 recording by the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And to close, Mahalia Jackson, Didn't It Rain, a 1964 recording. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.